Let's talk about the outlook, the growth outlook for the global economy, what it means for markets. Here to explain, Eric Theore, ma global macro strategist, multi-asset solutions team at Manulife Investment Management. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks. So we've gotten in some better news from China, right? The restrictions over there have improved. Um, seems to be less fears in Europe about oil. I mean, we had this sort of energy crisis briefly. Uh, we've passed the inflation hump here in the U.S., but is it better? I mean, is it better? I would say, you know, when we look at the global economy, it's less bad. <laughs> okay. So the outlook is still dark, yeah. and I think we do still have a very challenging outlook for 2023. But I think the fears that had been priced in around China's zero COVID policy, around the fallout of the Ukraine conflict and its implications for uh, Europe specifically, you know, those are starting to improve from very negative levels. So we're seeing right. that in terms of sentiment surveys. And I think the most important thing is really the, the US versus rest of world growth differentials that had been so wide and really it was a world of, of US growth exceptionalism that is starting to narrow. And so I think when you start to see that, it's a better global economy overall. Yeah, we had supply chain issues, things, you know, things were doing better here, then there was concern about recession there, then there was concern about recession here, because ultimately we are sort of intertwined when you think about it. Um, what's the strategy for investors, sort of near term and a longer term strategy? Yeah, so I think, you know, I think investors still want to be defensively positioned, right? Fixed income, now that interest rates seem to be kind of settling around where the Fed gets to terminal, um, we're starting to see the, the, that rise in yields really start to kind of flatten out. Um, so I think it's, it's a level where I think investors can kind of get back into the bond market. But I think on the equity side, uh, you still want to be positioned defensively. So things like utilities, healthcare, consumer stables, they're going to be performing well in this market. Um, again, I think the improvement we see in the outlook for the rest of the world also offers, you know, I think entry levels that are compelling when you think about, you know, the performance that we've had over the past 12 months. Uh, but again, it's it's a challenging outlook overall. Yeah, and even though we've had some improvement clearly on supply chain issues, you still have a lot of these companies um, battling inventory management. Do I have too much? Do I have too little? Because at first they had none, and then they had a glut. Um, and you have the holiday season coming on. I mean, this could be probably more pertinent to, to retailers, but overall, I think a lot of companies are managing inventory, and that's a big part of it, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think, you know, the, the, the inflation piece is still very important in the sense that, you know, it was great for top-line revenue growth, now that you know consumers and labor specifically have seen those wage increases, you know that's going to start to hurt margins. And I think mm -hmm. we're in the period now where we are going to start to see a bit of that compression. Um, the other piece that I'm watching for is obviously the transmission of tighter monetary policy, right? You know, the, the numbers we got this morning for retail sales were quite strong. Um, so we haven't yet seen that transmission start to really bite and impede the, the consumer spending. Um, so I think that's a story for 2023 that we still need to pay right. attention to. And then I'm watching the dollar, which is at 106. I'm watching uh, oil, 85.75 a barrel. In fact, you know, Ben just did a great job on the charts there. But the truth is oil is now closing today at the lowest level in three weeks. Absolutely. Right? So you have a dollar that's pulling back a little bit and oil pulling back. Yeah, it's, you know, it, that, and that was a kind of confounding development, yeah, right? Yeah. Because when the U.S. dollar tends to weaken. And yields coming down. And yields coming Come down. Come on, that doesn't all go together. <laughs> yeah, some things, some things not adding up, but I agree. Typically, in a weak dollar environment, you'd expect to see, you know, U.S. dollar denominated commodities rising. 
if you've got a China reopening narrative, you would expect right. to see oil prices climb. So I think there is definitely something that's not fitting with the narrative today. Uh, but again, I think when we think about the medium term outlook for the price of oil, it is very bullish. When you think about the inventories that have been drawn down this year, just even from the, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, nearly yeah. have from its total capacity, right? Right, right? A lot of inventory has hit the market, and if the global economy does start to reopen and we start to get you know, an increase in demand from China, that really poses some pretty impressive medium-term upside risk for the price of oil. Tell me about the retail sales print and, and sort of go into that a little, dig deeper there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you know we saw considerable spending on autos, we saw considerable spending on things like furniture. So those big ticket items that the consumer is supposed to be pulling back from right. with higher interest rates, we're not yet seeing that. So I don't know if it's a question of, you know, maybe still a bit of excess savings being run down. We also know that the consumer's borrowing a bit more and obviously came into the pandemic with pretty solid balance sheets. So something's allowing for that spending to continue. And again, we just, we're in that lag period now where interest rates have gone up, but they haven't yet started to filter through to the economy. Well, the concern too is they're using a lot of credit cards. Exactly, right? I think, yeah. Then that's, that's a key component, right? And so there will be a limit uh, to the extent that consumers can fund this spending with borrowing. And so maybe we're just in that period now where the running of the borrowing is starting to happen, but we haven't yet reached that limit. And with layoffs coming, you start to wonder if there's going to be delinquencies, defaults, things like that, and how the banks may even have to put money aside. Or, you know, in a household, if they're using the money to buy food, I mean, that's, you know, that really shows how the time is tough, right? Uh, if you're using it to buy, uh, I don't know, something else, new luggage for your yeah. great trip yeah. that you probably shouldn't be going on in the first place. Um, you know, it's a different picture, but you know, what's the takeaway here for folks? Well, I think the takeaway when you think about labor overall, wage growth is still elevated, running well above, you know, the 2% inflation target. The labor market is still tight. And of course, we know that labor data are lagging, right? So they'll be the last mm -hmm. to kind of exhibit what we're looking to see there. Um, but I think when we think about the layoffs, it's still at this point very much contained to the tech sector. It's, uh, I think a lot are coming based on what the Fed is, if the Fed sees this retail sales print. Yeah. Well, I think we, we need to see maybe a broadening of, you know, kind of a loosening in the labor market because right now it is still very concentrated. And yeah. again, when you think about things like the headline unemployment rate, it's yeah. still exceptionally low. Eric, it's great to see you. Eric Terre, Global Macro Strategist, Multi-Asset Solutions Team, Manulife Investment Management. Thank you, Eric.